from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Uh, Melanie, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, What's your story here? Well, we were very excited this morning to take my youngest son, who will be 15 tomorrow, um, to get his first COVID vaccine this morning. And we were the first in line. Um, And two of his really good friends also have appointments today. So in that age group, they're just so ready. They're so ready to be able to hang out with their friends and be without masks and, um, He was just ready to go. Well, Melody, I am so happy for him. And the countdown now begins. Adding another group of individuals or students in our schools that are vaccinated makes our schools even safer. And I think we owe that to the schools and to our kids for their education. And really, additionally, I think their mental health needs being in school and the things that school brings to them. I'm Sarah Fenske. Yesterday, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention voted to formally recommend the Pfizer vaccine to a new group of Americans, children ages 12 to 15. The decision followed authorization from the Food and Drug Administration on Monday. So what does this mean for the teen in your life? Well, joining us today with more information is Dr. Jason Newland. He is a professor of pediatrics at Washington University and a physician at St. Louis Children's Hospital. So Dr. Newland, welcome back. Thanks, Sarah. Great to be back. So this authorization, do you see this as good news? Uh, It's super, super exciting. Um, I'd like to tell the listeners I have a 15-year-old daughter in my house who literally for the last two months has wanted me to tell people she's 16 (laughs) so that she can go get the Pfizer vaccine. Um, So Anna now is scheduled to get her Pfizer vaccine tomorrow morning at 930 Um, And she will be the last member of our household to be vaccinated. So, yeah, I think it's super exciting, at least for our own family. But I think it's obviously super important for our community, for, you know, our country, for for the world um, in some respects that we're moving closer to kind of saying there's no more pandemic. Mm -hmm. Adding another group of individuals that can be vaccinated, about 5% at least of the U.S. population, adds another layer of protection uh, to help prevent uh, people from getting uh, the virus and uh, then also prevent others from getting the virus and getting super sick and, and even dying, as we've seen, unfortunately, you know, almost 600,000 deaths in, in our country alone. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that your 15-year-old daughter, she's going to be the last one in your family so that you have two older kids. They both have gotten it. Did they have any uh, any problems that developed from getting it? No, they did not. So I have a 19-year-old son who received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and had no trouble. He's at the University of Arkansas, so they gave it to him down there. Um, And then my middle daughter, who's 17 years of age, received the Pfizer vaccine. And just like uh, adults, you know, like I did and others that she complained of, you know, feeling really tired after the second vaccine, Mm -hmm. um, being a little achy, but it was short-lived and she was out and about you know, doing, the, you know, things that so she plays soccer and was back to playing soccer a day later without a problem. Okay. So just like adults, you can have maybe a, a day of, of realizing your antibodies are kicking in. But after that, everything's good. Correct. And I loved how you said that, realizing your immune system is really working. And though I want to 
tell those people out there who says, look, I had nothing. It was easy. Your immune system still was working. <laughs> Consider yourself one of the lucky ones. We do know about 30% of people will not have any reactions. Hmm. So everyone maybe wants to be in that group, but either group is good. Mm, At the end of it, <laughs> you get that protection. Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Newland, one argument I've heard against vaccination for kids is that kids really haven't had bad outcomes from COVID. There are certainly some exceptions to that, but overall, kids have done pretty well with this disease. And I, I know you've discussed that with us here on this show. What makes vaccination still worth it for people in this age group? Well, first off, thankfully, children haven't been as severely impacted. I think it's it's so heartbreaking, right, when we see children have common viruses like influenza, and then they potentially pass away from that virus. And I think it's important for us all to remember, while children have been less impacted, there's still been over 400 children in the United States who have died from COVID-19. Hmm. Um, there's also the multi-system inflammatory syndrome that a number of children have suffered from that while most have done well, could, there's still some you know long-term impacts from that condition. And then lastly is that there are children that have had this long hauler type symptoms where they've continued. And so I think for the health of children, when we have a vaccine that can prevent an illness that could lead to your death or lead to serious serious complications, we need to be able to vaccinate them. And then secondly, while children also are in our house houses or around our loved ones, and they can transmit it. Early on in the pandemic, right, we, we've, we learned that they were maybe less likely to transmit it. Mm-hmm. But when they're in your house um, and they're sick with it, they could give it to somebody else. And if you have a loved one who potentially can't get the vaccine, or maybe has an immune system condition that makes them not respond as robustly to the vaccine, having somebody else, another member vaccinated gives you another layer of protection. Hmm. And then lastly, I would just say, you know, our educators, our administrators of our schools, and all these people have done such, our school nurses, it was school nurse day yesterday, all of these people have done such amazing efforts to keep our schools safe. Adding another group of individuals or students in our schools that are vaccinated makes our schools even safer. Mm -hmm. And I think we owe that to the schools and to our kids for their education. And really, additionally, I think their mental health needs being in school and the things that school brings to them. Hmm. Well, if you're listening to this and you find yourself with questions for Dr. Jason Newland, or maybe you're a parent who went out and and got this taken care of for your kid yesterday already, we're interested to hear from you. You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpr.org. Dr. Newland, how did these vaccines do in the clinical trials, specifically as it relates to children and and, uh, these these younger teens who are now suddenly eligible? Yeah, so the 12 to 15-year-old study, um, they had about 1,000 of them receive the vaccine and about 900 did not receive the vaccine. And there was zero, zero COVID-19 cases in those who received the vaccine Hmm. and 18 COVID-19 cases in those who didn't receive the vaccine. So that equals 100% effectiveness. Now, I I think, again, that's 1,900, and there's going to likely be some who get maybe some mild illness, potentially, even though they've been vaccinated. That's not unheard of. But it's clear that this is a very, very 
effective vaccine like we've seen in adults. It's the same in this age group of children. Hmm, that's great news. We heard on Twitter um, from Memphis Expat who writes, I'm ready to vaccinate my almost eight-year-old. I hope that's coming soon. <laughs> Dr. Newland, what's your best guess? Not to get ahead of ourselves here, but could the next cohort of kids get permission to do this soon? So... I will make my prediction for you all. Now, I don't want you to hold it against me, but I obviously will want praise if I get it right. That's, I <laughs> of know course, that's important fair. to stipulate. <laughs> of course, right? Right. But, but I will say this. So Pfizer um, well, is really leading all the uh, Moderna and Johnson Johnson in doing these trials. They're already enrolling 6 to 11. Moderna just started doing their 6 to 11-year-old vaccine group. I think Pfizer should have data and potentially by fall, I think the 6 and 11 to 11-year-old age group could get it maybe even before um, they start school, though I think that might be a little too much. And I don't think that's true. Hmm. But I think by fall, the 6 to 11. I think the younger children down to the you know 2-year-olds, maybe down to 6 months of age, might not be until 1st of 2022 or the end of 2021. Okay. And is there, the way that vaccines tend to work, is it possible that something could go catastrophically awry at this point and we see something that crops up for a 6-year-old that doesn't crop up for an older teen? Or do we have a pretty good sense here this is going to work there as well? Um, I think my sense is that this is going to work there, That meaning that one is that it's going to be effective and two, it's going to be safe. Now, the reason we do vaccine trials in children, right, we just don't say, hey, it's approved for adults, let's just give it to everybody, is because we want to make sure it's still safe. And so these trials are specific to look at safety. And so we're going to start doing the, some of the trials here at Washington University. And our big, th- our big job really is to be following the safety, making sure that we're following up and looking at that because we need to see it. Now, my hypothesis or my bet is it's going to be safe. We're going to see the same sort of side effects in the, these age groups as well. And it should be noted, right, we've been given over 100 million doses of this Pfizer vaccine to, to people. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of people who've now had this, and, and we've been able to see how they're doing. Correct. And, and I think people should understand, right, they're like, well, look at Johnson Johnson. Well, that was also a one in a million chance to a serious complication, and we picked it up. Mm-hmm. So I think you can rest assured there are protections in place to notice. And at this point in time, these vaccines, th- these vaccines are safe. Um, and they're going to get us. And I li- I've been like to tell people, this, look, I love sports. I would love to go to a full stadium to watch the Cardinals. I would love to go to a blues game with everybody in there screaming and yelling and banging, right? Mm-hmm. I would love that. Um, we're not there yet. But by vaccinating and by vaccinating our children, by va- you know encouraging vaccinating, talking about the facts of vaccines, we're going to get there. And we're going to get there sooner, the sooner we can get more people vaccinated. Let's go to the phone lines. Melanie is calling from Webster Groves. Uh, Melanie, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, w- what's your story here? Well, we were very excited this morning to take my youngest son, who will be 15 tomorrow, um, to get his first COVID vaccine this morning, and we were the first in line. And uh, so he's the last in our family to get it. I have two older kids and um, grandparents who've all had it. So we were really excited. And they were expecting a large crowd. They said they'll probably have a thousand coming in tomorrow to get the vaccine. Wow. Well, congratulations on that, Melanie. Where did you go to do this? We were at the BJC location at Christian Northeast. Up, um, I don't know exactly what township that is. Okay, well, that is so exciting. Dr. Newland, uh, this going through BJC, it sounds like there's been a lot of demand here for healthcare providers. Yeah, 
first off, Melanie, congratulations and happy birthday to your to your to your youngest. I'm I'm excited for you um, and your family. Um, there is a lot of um, interest in vaccinating our children. I actually think our kids want to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. um, I think our kids are showing how to be leaders um, in the pandemic. They have shown it through kindness and understanding. And here's another uh, example of that. Uh, we know that, and I think the families have also shown interest, you know, as they've seen the import here, probably because they've been pushed by their kids. We have a vaccine trial registry for children. We have over 9,000 kids in this registry because people see the importance of this. Mm -hmm. um, so it's super exciting. It's super exciting to hear the numbers. You know, obviously, I feel very fortunate to work at BJC, Washington University, St. Louis Children's, but I also like to, you know, all of our healthcare systems have really banded together to do this, SSM, Mercy, St. Luke's. Everyone has put this out so that we can get vaccinated. And let's not forget, we still have the Edward D. Jones Dome that's giving Pfizer vaccine. That's another place. So our community is really coming together, and and hopefully we'll just we'll keep doing that and keep encouraging people to get vaccinated. Melanie, I have just one follow-up question for you. Um, for, your, for your child, was this something where they felt 100% ready, or was there some anxiety that went with it? Well, if this helps give you the answer. I offered, I could pull him out of school today and go, or we could go on Saturday. And he said, I want to go today. And <laughs> That's two, awesome. Two, it might be because he wanted out of school, but I think it's because he wanted the vaccine. Um, and two of his really good friends also have appointments today. So in that age group, they're just so ready. They're mm -hmm. so ready to be able to hang out with their friends and be without masks. And, um, he was just ready to go. Well, Melody, I am so happy for him. And the countdown now begins. Uh, so I, I look forward to him getting to hang out with his friends without masks on. That's that's awesome. Let's go back to the phone lines. Uh, Maria is calling from Manchester. Uh, Maria, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. I was wondering how the vaccine interacts with other, other medications that children may be on, such as like maybe ADHD or seizure medication or any other kind of medication? Maria, that's a great question. Dr. Newland, um, I, I'm sure there's different answers maybe for different medications, but any sort of general advice here? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Maria, for this question. Super important. I, you know, I think that there, what we've seen with these trials and stuff is that there hasn't been something that's concerned us that there be interactions. I think the key here, right, would be some of the side effects that you know potentially would happen, like that fever, the achiness, and how that will impact the child. But I think when we look at kind of the risk benefit, like you know, the risk of getting the vaccine with these other medications to. Um, and then the benefit you get from the vaccine, it's still way in favor of the benefit of getting the vaccine. So I would still recommend those with these conditions on these medications to get the vaccine. As, and as well, you know, always talk with your, your physicians and those who manage that. But for the most part, we haven't seen anything that should suggest a vaccine is going to interact with the medicine or make things worse. Mm. Well, thank Wonderful. you. Thank you for that question, Maria. And good luck to yeah, you, thank as, you as you figure this out. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Newland, we have time for just one more question here, and this is more of a bigger picture one, but, but yeah. just to touch on this briefly, um, you and I have talked before about the mental health price paid by kids and by teenagers in this pandemic. Now that these shots are going in arms, older teens have already been able to sort of get things restarted, younger teens will be following them. Do you feel pretty good that, that that's going to be something we can put uh, in the rearview mirror here? Unfortunately, I, so... One, yes, I think it's going to help us. Unfortunately, I think that the mental health crisis that was pri that was here prior to the pandemic um, is 
more in light and is there's going to be a long tail one might say regarding our continued efforts and hopefully we will learn from the pandemic what is needed for our children teens and others with mental health needs and can we this is another community thing we have to band together to do can we develop the systems the necessary interventions the 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 healthcare needs for these individuals, these children, so that we can get them to the next spot and care for them the right way. Mm -hmm. So I think, yes, it's going to help, but we have a lot more work to do. And this is almost kind of like the alarm clock waking us up to another degree of what our children need. Hmm. So this is something we're not going to be able to deal with it overnight, but, but maybe the fact we're paying more attention to it because of all this could be a good thing. I think so. I really think so. Well, Dr. Jason Newland, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your expertise. Well, I appreciate it. I so love your show, and uh, thanks for all that you do. Thank you. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.